time for our feature interview this week and as many of you know I live in Gran Canaria and this is where I record the podcast and do the interviews etc and last week we had in the Canary Islands which is actually a bit of a mecca in Spain for trail running the Canary Islands biggest trail running race the Trans Gran Canaria which is the first big international race of the trail running season where a lot of the pros come with their existing and new teams so it really is a very very exciting weekend of racing as I mentioned earlier Pablo Villa won the race and I teach Pablo English every Wednesday and I did think of inviting Pablo onto the show but the main goal of the show is to promote Irish trail running and Irish athletes and boy does Dave Barry from Limerick originally have a story to tell about his Transgan Canaria and as, as you'll hear it's a story of determination mental and physical strength something that I think will inspire us all as we plan and get ready for racing over the rest of 2022. Dave, you're very welcome to the podcast. And Dave, to kick off, what I was going to ask you was just if you could tell myself and the listeners a little bit of your own racing background and the pedigree that's there, the pedigree that's there, which makes taking on such a big, tough event like the 126 kilometer Transgrand Canaria a realistic objective. All right, on. Hi, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. Uh, I suppose my running really only started probably 10 or 12 years ago uh, when I started doing some of the business house races and I started doing some of the uh, adventure races. I remember coming into 2010 and feeling like I hadn't done any exercise in 2019 or 20, 2009 and I really wanted to uh, do more exercise. So I started doing a lot of, a lot of running, a lot of exercise in 2010. Uh, and then I got into marathons and then it was really in... 2019 I did my first trail ultra uh, so it's really only you know three years ago uh, and I suffered suffered badly in a couple of the early ones and you learn quickly what you need to do uh, and since then I've done a nice number of them I've done the carry away three times I've done a couple of other longer races I've done a an FKT and uh, I kind of felt pretty confident then regardless of what the Trans Grand Canaria at the time of signing up for it now uh, regardless of what it uh, was going to throw me up, I was going to be able to meet the needs. Uh, yeah. That was initially for sure. A long way um, from the from the four mile cross country business house races back in the day, isn't it? All the way up to 126 kilometers. Yeah, well, it's interesting, and I, I feel like I was kind of pushed in that direction. In so far as I did those 5k and 10k, and then I did some of the adventure races, and then people kept asking me have you run a marathon? Surely you've run a marathon. You must have run a marathon. And I said, no, no, I've never run a marathon. So in 2014, then I decided to get that monkey off my back and I ran the, uh, the Dublin City Marathon. And I remember it was a sweltering hot day and I had no clue. Nobody had ever told me about, you know, that you should be trying to cool yourself down and put water over your head. And I just remember dying a thousand deaths in those last six. I know people die anyway, but I was certainly struggling and I remember coming across the line and it was like a, a war zone people had just thrown themselves on the side of the road and were just like in pieces and I was the very same yeah well well I think we're going to hear later on that you, you went through similar experiences in the Transgrand Canaria but in three times the distance but before we get there Dave um before the Transgrand Canaria we were having a chat and there's a couple of days leading up to it and and you were saying that before you got this terrible calf injury, and we'll get into that now as well, that you were saying that you're in the shape of your life. And I think you might be in your early 50s, Dave, is it? So I'm always interested to hear someone that's in their 40s or in their early 50s say that they're in fantastic shape. 
So for the benefit of myself and the listeners, maybe could you talk to us about how you keep in such good shape and you get to such a high level of fitness, you know, as we're getting on in years and that we're not in our 20s or our 30s anymore, but you're still ready to go for it. It's such a big challenge like that to Transylvania Canaria. Yeah, and I would say there are two, two main things that I would say to everybody because I think people get caught up with all these intervals and hill repeats and really the key, two basic keys are consistency and I also think the higher mileage uh, needs to be in there. So you need to be running a lot, uh, as in a lot of days and you need to be running uh, a lot of mileage, I think. Uh, and if you do that, then really you set yourself up for success in any race that you're going to do. Uh, so okay. when I say that I was in the best shape of my life, I really I had had two months, probably from the beginning, of, sorry, probably from the middle of November to the middle of January, where I kept it simple. I've got a kind of a couple of what I would consider key training um, events that I do during a week that if I hit all of those over the course of six or eight weeks, you know, it's going to set me up for success. And that's what ha- happened such that I was there in the middle of January and I was running up hills, you know, a bit like out of body experience where you're looking at yourself kind of going, Poof, you're in good shape, buddy, because what you do as well a lot is you run the same routes and you can see yourself how you're improving on those over time and how stronger you're feeling maybe going up a hill where at the beginning of your training block, you're walking that hill and you just see the progression yourself. Yeah. So am I right in saying, Dave, that it's consistency, it's mileage, it's time on the hills, as opposed to maybe, say, short, sharp intervals, which can get you very fit for, say, the shorter races, the shorter hill races, shorter 10K races on the roads. But stuff like, you know, 400s and 1Ks, they're a lot more intense. They're high risk as well in terms of just keeping the legs healthy. So is it maybe leaving that type of training to the side and just concentrating on time on feet running and mileage, as you said? Uh, Where I think it is is, when you start doing particularly these long distance races, it should all be around the consistency and the high mileage. The thing like the, those hill repeats and those intervals, they're the kind of stuff when you've run out of uh, improvements in a way that you get from that high mileage. And now you're looking for where do I get my additional percentages? Uh, and it's okay. then you start peppering in those, those pieces. But if you're starting on your journey or you're early in your journey, really focus on consistency, really focus on in my opinion, I think 50 miles a week uh, should be what you're aiming for. Now, more is great, uh, but you should really be looking for 50. Like what I would say to other people that I run with is, you know, those six or eight weeks before your, um, before your key race, uh, make sure you're trying to hit that 50 at a minimum. Uh, and then you really are. Your body is so used to moving and in trail races, you know, it's kind of stop start that you'll always be able to pick yourself up and keep moving. Yeah, and you got to that point, Dave, where you were in super shape, about to hit the final training training block before your key spring race, and then this calf injury came about. Um, what do you think it was, Dave? Because I'm sure there, there's so many people that are in the same position as yourself and or have been over the years where they're in great shape. They're just about to put the final finishing touches on their training block and a little niggle comes along. What was it yourself, Dave, do you think that just put the calf over the edge and just caused that little tear or a little rupture or whatever it might have been? Yeah, I know exactly what it is, Owen. And you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said it. And it's just so unfortunate. And it's unfortunate as well because I'm familiar with it. And I know myself that when you start 
tinkering with too much speed play on top of high mileage and other things that you're doing, you're really putting yourself in a precarious situation. And what happened for me was that I had a couple of friends who had said that they were doing a marathon in April. They were hoping to uh, achieve a qualifying time for Boston to run the Boston Marathon next year in 2023. And that then put the idea in my head, because I kind of have some unfinished business in Boston myself, uh, that if they're all heading over there, wouldn't it be great fun to go over and have that? So maybe I should start looking at putting some speed work into my uh, routine just uh, so that I can do a qualifying marathon. So I signed up for the Limerick Marathon on the 1st of May. I signed up for the Rahini 5 Mile at the end of January. And I said, I'll just go out now and I'll test to see what my speed work is like. And I went out and I did a great I did nine miles at a 6.19 minute pace and I was very happy. It felt really comfortable, uh, but it was kind of at the end of a high enough mileage week anyway. And then I went out that weekend and this is where I believe it happened. I went out that weekend with some friends and we did what was I would have thought was going to be a very easy and for one reason or another, the fates and gods collided and it ended up being a much tougher uh, day in the hills than I anticipated and I think that on the back of everything that had gone on earlier in the week just yeah, as you say pushed the calf over the edge and gave me some strain or rupture or something significant anyway that was very, very yeah like I, I think they can't the, can the mountains and the hills they can get us so strong especially say on the roads for say marathon pace but once we come down say from marathon pace to half marathon even 10k pace it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? To doing hill repeats and long, steady runs in the mountains. It's just so much more aggressive. And especially as we get older, we just do have to just be so careful with the speed, don't we? Yeah, and I've said to so many people as well, you know, who've talked about doing intervals and speed work, you know, that oh, you need to be really careful with it. You know, it's prone to injury. And if I ever, you know, go too much on the speed, it always causes me injury. And then, of course, I go and do it all over again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, and that's why I had so much respect for um, the Irish Masters team a couple of weeks ago who went over to the, I think it was the European Indoor Track Championships, and they took home a whole rake of medals. It was brilliant to see, you know, guys in, in their 40s, 50s and 60s um, running super fast, 200 metres, 400 metres, 800 metres on the track, and, you know, great admiration for them. But they, you have this calf problem and a lot of people would have just thrown in the towel because it was you couldn't run for a number of weeks but you, you kept the hope alive and you came over to Las Palmas the Gran Canaria and even though you hadn't ran in a number of weeks apart from maybe I think one or two test runs you were still willing to give it a shot and just talk to us about that mental battle of just not bothering and just coming over for our son holiday but yet still be willing to take the risk and to go for the challenge and get to the start line and go for it. You must have been yeah. calling to minds. Oh, I'll tell you. Well, when it happened originally, which was the middle of January, I said, okay, the Rahini five mile at the end of January is out the window. But this is the middle of January. The Trans Grand Canary isn't for another seven weeks. This will be long gone by then. You know, maybe I need to rest it up for a week, two at most, but... You know, I still, begin, I'll have the beginning of Jan or beginning of February. If I can get three weeks of just really honing that fitness that I had before the injury again, I'll be absolutely 100% fine. And then it really wasn't like I got into February. And I, you know, like you mentioned, those uh, little testing runs, I, what I must feel, what I believe happened is I just kept setting myself back. And then I was doing things like 
foam rolling and massage and it really wasn't helping it when I should have stayed away from it. I did go to a physiotherapist and I'm just not sure, you know, different physiotherapists don't really understand the plight of the ultra runner maybe. And he, I, I'm not sure <laughs> that advice. Long story short, anyway, time just kept rolling forward and rolling forward. So I kept kind of thinking, yeah, I've got enough time. I've got enough time. I'm getting a bit close now, getting a bit close until really it was like the week before the race. And then I really started thinking, okay, I'm in deep trouble here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you came over. And just for people listening, Dave, that might be thinking of coming over to the Transgen Academy next year, because it's one of these races that it's actually going on in a fantastic time of the year, February or early March. So for anybody who's looking for a big international trail winning race that they can train through maybe November, December and January, it's an ideal race. It's, it's the biggest one on the calendar, certainly in this time of the, of the year internationally. So for people coming over that are planning their trip, they have two options, whether to stay down in the south of the island where all the beaches are, the famous Plating Glaze, Mas Palomas, and where the finish line is, or you can stay up in the north of the island where the city is and where the start of the race is. And yourself and Claire decided to come up and stay in the north of the island, just around the corner from the start area. So just maybe talk to us about that decision, the logistics of um, deciding to stay up in the north rather than down in the sunny um, part of the island, which is full of all those wonderful sandy beaches. Yeah, so we had been over on a sun holiday at the end, uh, beginning of November of last year, and we stayed down in Puerto Rico, which is right down to the very south of the island. Uh, but what we found is that there were no restaurants, a very poor quality restaurants. Uh, you know, it was all beach resorty. There was Irish pubs blaring out the Italy eye, and it uh, really didn't appeal to us that much. We're not beach resort people, and there wasn't an awful lot to do, and the choices for... Uh, Dining and drinking weren't very good. Uh, and then we took a day trip up to Las Palmas uh, and we took some, and really Las Palmas, I would say, blew my mind in, I was expecting this, I don't know, port city that was very industrial. And what I found was a old colonial uh, city that had a lot of um, beautiful architecture and culture about it and beautiful winding little side streets with great cafes and diners and uh, bars and restaurants and alfresco dining. And it was just in that day trip, we said, look, when we come back, this is where we want to stay. And that's exactly what we did. And we were very happy with our decision at the end of the day because uh, there was just so much going on and it wasn't geared towards the tourists. It just really um, was geared towards the locals who wanted to dine well and uh, dine al fresco. Yeah, and the comfort, of course, of just literally a five-minute walk to the start area, which, you know, avoids all the nerves of getting buses or taxis down to the start area, where once you're finished, you're finished. And then whatever happens, whatever you need to do, a bus or a taxi to get back to your hotel, you don't care because your race is done. But I think it's a very good call because it just avoids a couple of hours of travel or extra stress that you don't need before you're starting. And speaking of starting, Dave, just before you go, You've got your, your bag ready in the hotel. And I saw just on your YouTube channel that you went through your race kit. And maybe you could tell us about a couple of extra things that I saw you have that people mightn't think of when they're getting ready for a big, a big ultra trail race like that. And you had a couple of very, very good ideas. Yeah, so I um, haven't been over in Gran Canaria uh, last year, as I mentioned, I didn't realize again just how technical the course is. It's a volcanic island, so it's very, the trails are very rubbly uh, and it's 
one of those uh, courses that really has great potential for rolling your ankle. So what I did do, and I did roll my ankle last year, and what I find is that you can um, do it even more damage after you've rolled it, getting back to wherever you need to get back to. But if you have an ankle support, you throw that on straight away, uh, you minimize the risk and the danger, and you can be back running very soon afterwards. So that was one item that I did throw into my backpack. Thankfully, I didn't need it. Uh, I had my two head torches. A lot of people use the large Petzl Now head torch. I've held it in my hand and the weight of it. Uh, I prefer to use uh, lighter head torches. So I did use two of those. One, a silver one that I really think is, uh, it's my favorite. It works, you know, got me right through the first night. Uh, the second, the Petzl Ico did run out on me and I had to uh, borrow somebody else's light for the last two kilometers, even though I had a spare battery, but I had it buried. Uh, but a few other things uh what else did i have in there i had a bit of money in case i got stuck in the middle of nowhere and had to get a taxi and my uh, electronics were uh, not working for me i had my food i had uh, oh yeah i had some other pieces obviously my ankle or my um my calf injury was my biggest concern going into the race so i yeah. did have some kinesiology tape just to give that some additional support i did have some uh, calf sleeves just to give it some compression again some more support i was just trying to do everything that i could to, you yeah. know, going into races, you're looking for where did, my did you have to put them on david or did you have to put on the calf sleeves or the tape on i put the tape and the calf sleeves on from the very <laughs> beginning oh yeah you better get your ass <laughs> well, well, well listen tell us like you have your bag ready you're down at the start line just before 11 p.m on this beautiful city beach here in las palmas las canteras you haven't trained in weeks, and um, you're, you're surrounded by all these international pro athletes, Pau Capel, Pablo Villa, who went on doing the race, of course. And um, you know you have one full night ahead of you, possibly two. <laughs> like, yeah. what are your thoughts, Dave, as you're about to kick off ahead uh, of one? I'm in, I'm in pen number one as well, because uh, at the time <laughs> I was filling up my form, I thought, yeah, I'm in the best shape of my life. So, of course, I want to be up there with the very front people. So, I'm, I'm standing with these pure spelt athletes that have probably, you know, a huge training block behind them. And I'm kind of going, oh, no, this isn't going to end well. Uh, and uh, But where was my head at? My head was at, do you know where my head was? I really hadn't a clue. I really, I said, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know how this is going to work out. I know, I know the wheels are going to come off at some stage. That's inevitable. I don't have the training done. I know my calf. Yeah, I don't know, because in the six days running up to the um, race as well, I didn't do any exercise. I just really said, look, I'll try and give this calf that last bit of rest wow. that I can give it. Yeah. I still learned that opening in that number one pen gun as interested as anybody. And it's one of those interesting things where you just, I feel like a third party looking in saying, hmm, what's going to happen here now? This will be interesting. Yeah, I find that amazing um, that, that you had the, the patience and the discipline and maybe even the confidence in yourself not to do exercise in the last six days, I think you said, where I'm sure I know myself and I'm sure most people would be pulling their hair out if they couldn't do any running or exercise in the last week. And if they couldn't, they probably just wouldn't even go to the start line. So the fact that you, that you didn't do anything, you gave it the rest. You got to the start line and without wanting to spoil the finish now of your story, you, you didn't get to the finish of the race. So I just find it incredible, incredible mental strength, Dave, and uh, fair play to even just for, for starting that race, given what yeah, you've gone really through wanted... and injury problems. Yeah, and one interesting thing, just when you talk about mental strength, that did happen right as I started off running, because you start on the beach, as you mentioned, 
and you're running along the sand and my calf gave me a little bit of a twinge and a, that little voice where you talk about your mental strength you know, on one of my shoulders said, you know, you could pull out right now. Nobody would blame you. You know, you've got an injury. You don't yeah. have yourself with any pain whatsoever. And then the other side of my the little angel or whatever it is on the other shoulder just said, oi, shut your mouth, Bozo. We're, uh, we're taking this to the finish line. Yeah, sure. And then I think the, the calf did. It, it held together. And the, this talk through the race now. And listen, I mean, it's so hard to talk through 126 kilometers. Um, but just some of the key points, like the, the way the race works is that you go through the night. Everybody has to go through the first night from the pros to the middle of the pack runners as well. Um, what's that first night like where you start off at 11 o'clock? And you're just running through darkness and you're running through tough hills, Dave, as well. Now, you go through some lovely towns here in Grand Canaria, but it's all through the dark and it's all some tough, tough underfoot conditions as well. 100%. And what I have found is that if I start a race and I'm fit and healthy and ready to go, it doesn't really matter that much how bad the terrain is because I'm fit and healthy enough okay. to get to the okay. finish line. Whereas in this situation, I really should have paid a bit more attention to the elevation. It's not something that I looked at too much before, because when you compress 126 kilometers into the width of an A4 page, it always looks spiky, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, now I realize, yeah, 7,000 meters over 126 kilometers, that's a hell of a lot of climbing. And that was the first thing that really hit me. We were going up and up and up and then down, which didn't seem too far, and then up and up and up. And it just really has. That, so that was the first piece of the, the night. There was just so much climbing. It just uh, blew my mind. The second piece then was, I was, um, you know, this preconception that I'm going to Gran Canaria. It's this lovely, you know, paradise island with the uh, sun shining all the time and beautiful warm breezes in the evening. And we got bombarded with this orange weather warning where the rain was coming in sideways, freezing cold, blowing a gale. And I was just going, wow. This is not what I expected at all. And, you know, I sometimes think of people who, you know, maybe shouldn't be doing a race uh, and they'll get through it in good conditions. But if conditions are bad, you know, they're in trouble. And this thing threw everything at me. And, you know, of course, it turned the ground into pure mud. Then there was mudslide. There was people coming down from behind you, taking the legs out from everybody. There was people trying to climb up in front of you, coming sliding back. It was carnage in places, though, and I don't mind telling you. Oh, yeah. And I know one of the things that you said was um, the thought of going back out there is frightening. And once again, Dave, like you, you, you overcame that, not fear, it's not really fear, you know, but you overcame that just sense of suffering and hardship. And, and you went out there, you know, at the halfway point, I'm sure you said to yourself, Jesus, I've got another another 63 kilometers to go here another full day and another couple of hours of darkness as well i mean in an ultra race like that you have your physical battle going on um, but then again just that mental battle and i saw some of the video footage of the of the video that you did and it was an incredible incredible mental game that you had going on with yourself and but you won you, you beat you beat yourself when you got out there and you, yeah. you did it. That moment in Artanara, that really was, to use a rock climbing term, that was the crux of the whole race right there because it's the halfway point. So you've reached halfway, but it was the worst weather of the whole thing. It was just blowing a gale. When you're sitting inside in the aid station, you're looking out at it and it just looks terrible. You're cold, you're wet, 
people around you have got their foil blankets on and I put my own foil blanket on, which is something I'd never done before. Uh, and it was just, yeah, it really, that was, that was the closest I've ever come to voluntarily taking myself out of a race uh, where I just kind of go, God, because I was spent now as well. I didn't have the fitness yeah. or the energy to do it. And I was, you know, and if the weather had been good, you know, I can go out and I can do it. But I was just looking out at this and it really took, it took all the mental strength to get out there and start moving again. But I also thought once you get out there and you get beyond that real worst part of the storm, you climb up out of it a little bit, it gets a bit better. And it just reminded me that these races can always turn on a dime. So, you know, never let yourself give up in an aid station is my, my new rules that you got to give yourself. Do you think it's possible, Dave, to prepare properly? for these type of races back home in Ireland because of the, first of all, the elevation gain that you just, we don't have at home. And then just that change in climate from that horrible damp coldness to the hot weather then the, the following day when all everything clears. Now I know, you know, we can't do anything about being able to train in the hot weather maybe, but do, do you think that it's possible to be able to prepare for the elevation, for example, and the trails? I do. No, no, I do. And I was conscious. So when I had signed up for the Trans-Grand Canary, and particularly having been out there in uh, November, I knew what the trails looked like, and therefore I sought out similar trails here back home. And yes. you, can't go, you can't go up and up and up. Like I was starting some of those climbs at 300 metres and going on up to 1,800 metres. We don't have those kind of climbs here. But what we do have is, you know, we can do a climb up and come down and do another climb, you know, and your body doesn't necessarily know that you haven't been going up continuously that you kind of what it does know that you've climbed 2,000 meters 3,000 meters whatever it is over okay <laughs> me a period of time so you can definitely I think we can train for pretty much anything yeah we need to be inventive in what we do but uh, we've got enough going on here in Ireland that you can do it all right okay okay and, and listen you, you got through it you get to the last couple of kilometers just as the second night is beginning to descend and tell us about those last couple of kilometers, Dave. Is it, is it a sense of enjoyment or are you, are you just literally dying of death at that stage and you're hanging on step by step? Or no, is, is there a sense of satisfaction as you're coming into the finish line of a big race like that? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And the more you do these, you always see that they, they, any of these long races have their ups and downs, peaks and troughs. And you can be in the lowest low and half a mile later in the highest high. And really for me in this particular race, there's a point where, because you got your drop bag, it was about 43 kilometers from the finish. After that, you go around a big loop around Rocky Nublo. And after that, then you're pointing a straight line. Now it's still about 30 kilometers to the finish line, but this is a straight line. And at that point I knew, okay, I'm finishing this thing now. You know, it's a, this is, this is happening. And I, at that point, you go through Tunte, which is a checkpoint. I just went straight through. You go to Ayugare, straight through. And then this race, if anybody else on the line is uh, thinking of doing this race, there's this dry riverbed only about 10 <laughs> kilometers from the finish. And it will break your heart because it just goes on so long. It's so rubbly. You know, they're big kind of rocks, big enough to uh, twist your ankle, but not so big enough that they're, you can put your foot on and be confident that it'll support you. And yeah, 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 yeah. But when you yeah. come off of that, to answer your question, uh, my body always seems to, again, it's one of those out-of-body experiences, click into, all right, we're two or three or five kilometers from the finish now, let's run. And I, I started running, you know, almost looking at myself, kind of going, really, we're doing this now? I started running and I passed a few people that had passed me earlier on and they were looking at me kind of going, really? 
but I ran away, you know, and this is where, when I talked about the different running that I do in my training blocks, this is where it's that long, flat run where in the middle of every uh, ultra race, it always does four or five miles before you get to a next mountainous section where you just want to be able to roll. And they're the easy miles. And this was one of those, those last couple of kilometers to the finish line. And I just said, let's roll it out. And then my head torch died. And I was like, oh, and uh, I just tagged onto a guy coming along behind me, Philippe, and uh, we ran in together. And it was just, it was, to answer your question, the question you answered was, it was joyous. It was just great. Uh, you know, you do remember all the hardship you've come through, all the lows that you've gone, and you just cross that finish line. And I just collapsed on the ground and just, hallelujah, I've done it. I've flipping done it, and I don't know how I did it. <laughs> yeah. And listen, Dave, you're only, your, you are one of 441 finishers. There was a 37% dropout rate. 262 runners dropped out. And you're one of five Irishmen. I don't know if you looked up the Irish results, but you are one of five Irishmen, no ladies this year. Um, Leo Boyle was the first man home in 20 hours and 18 minutes. Then yourself, second. And second Irishman, 23 hours, 38. Lorcan Fagan, Joe Burney, and Paul O'Sullivan um, finished as well. And then we had four guys that didn't make it around, unfortunately. Um, Given, given where you were coming from, Dave, were you happy with the 23 hours? And if you were fully fit, now I know there's plenty of ifs and buts and maybes yeah, here, yeah, yeah. but what do you think you might have done that course in? I mean, 23 hours, 177 out of the 441 finishers. So it's still a very, very good result. What do you think you might have done maybe being fully fit? Being fully fit, like because I, I generally have a pretty good idea of how I rank uh, and I definitely, you know, depending on, as you say, the, the day and if everything else had gone to plan, I was, I, I'm confident I would have come in between 18 and 20 hours. That's wow. You know, that, that, wow. That would have been super. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if everything had been super, I might have been down closer to the 18. But even on a bad day, I felt confident I can come in under 20 hours. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You, you would have um, challenged Leo Ball there for the first Irishman home. Leo did a great race. Fair play to him if he's listening. And um, well, the, you might one, have to come back again. Dave, yes, so yeah, yeah. Open maybe yeah. top 50. So great. And I suppose yes, that's the next question. Sorry, sorry, go on, Dave. Go on. What were you going to well, say? Yes, well, let me answer your original question, though. But what I really feel, you know, am I happy with the 2338? I am delighted. I don't know yeah. how I pull that out of my body on the day. Uh, and, you know, that 2338 is the equivalent of an 18 hour uh, race, you know, when you're fit. So yeah. I just couldn't believe it and I couldn't be happy with it. And Dan said, you know, the piece that you were just coming on to there, I actually don't feel like I have any real unfinished business in Gran Canaria. However, I do take it some stage, I'll probably be back, but uh, to finish it, I feel, no, I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy with how it all uh, turned out and to cross that finish line, as I mentioned there a little while ago, I could not have been happier. Yeah, and you have your, your finisher's red jacket, Dave, as well, to be able to wear proudly back home as well. Would you recommend the race, Dave? Because I often get asked the question, living over here in Gran Canaria, oh, what do you think of the Transgrand Canaria? And it's a question, Dave, that I struggle to answer sometimes because Gran Canaria has these incredible high mountain spots, like you mentioned there, Rocky Nublo, these beautiful mountain villages, Tequeda, Atanara. But then I know that the last 30 kilometers of this race are torture. They're physical torture coming home through this dry, 
barren, um, really long, straight, boring stretch. But then as well, I know I know the guys that organise the race and they're so professional. They put on such a great job. The finish line is always great, always a brilliant atmosphere down there. So I'm always caught in two. Um, but what about yourself, Dave? Would you recommend it to your, to your trail running buddies to, for something to do? I would recommend it. No, I think it is, it is a great race. Uh, it is at a great time of the year, like the beginning of March. If, you know, it gives you that focus during the winter. Uh, and if you know what you're getting into, it's 7,000 meters, by the way. <laughs> and, yes, uh, yes. You know, and ideally, because I've spoken to other people who've done it before, you know, you don't get caught in an orange weather storm. Uh, you know, it can be like we went out on the Tuesday, came back on the Tuesday. So we had a nice uh, holiday beforehand, holiday afterwards. So it's great from that perspective. And then it does have all that, you know, super well organized. Uh, yes, it's got the climbs, but you go to all these wonderful villages and the support is great. Like cause it was only when I was looking back at that video that I made and you see these people and you realize, hold on, this is like two in the morning in that village. And there's this line of people out cheering us on, you know, and same in the next village and the next village. So uh, the support was great. So I think, you know, all these different races, they all throw you up something different and they're all uh, unique in their own way. So I think I would definitely consider uh, in a race if uh, anybody was listening and thinking yeah. about something. Yeah, and, and it was the 20th anniversary, of course, this year, Dave, as well. 20 years on the go now to Trans and Canardia. It literally is one of the biggest trail running races in the world. And trail running here in the Canary Islands, it is a bit of a national sport nearly. Obviously, football is the main number one sport, but there's so many really good, interesting local races here. Um, there's some great trail running athletes as well. When Spain won the Ultra Trail Running World Championships a couple of years ago, there was two Canarian runners on the team as well. So there's a really strong tradition of trail running here. And um, last question, Dave, maybe for today, just again, just to share whatever knowledge or experience you've had in the recovery aspect of it over the last 10 days now or so how has the recovery gone have you gone straight back into training or are you just on a complete break or any little tips you can share with us yeah no i haven't gone straight back into training to answer that question of course no i promised i promised my body a good break after this one because uh, it really you know it delivered when i hadn't uh, <laughs> yeah you know, I, it certainly did 23 hours yeah yeah. So what um so what I have done, uh yeah, I, I would always take at least one week off where I don't do any running at all. Uh this is week two now, and I did just go out for a light run there earlier this week. I'll take it very easy now for the remainder of this month and then we'll start picking. So in April, my intention would be I'm back into that kind of training block where I'm trying to hit that 50 miles and get into that same rhythm where I'm hitting my various different types of uh training runs in a week so that we kind of start building for building for the next event. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you were in good company during the week as well with Claire, your partner in crime there. She did very well in the advanced. She did, she did, she did. No, she dug deep as well because her training hadn't gone uh, as she would have hoped for either. But like that, she's uh, she finds that Scottish uh, grit and tenacity and she drove onto the finish line herself. So it was great, great for to meet her at the finish line and to to be able to share our, our war stories in the taxi home. <laughs> Very good. Listen, Dave, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks a million for sharing that wonderful experience of all 126 kilometres of the 20th edition of the Tenanza Grand Canardia. And Dave, you have a wonderful video that I think is just going up on YouTube over the next couple of days as well. And um, Just tell us about that YouTube channel. Is it just Dave Barry? If people search for that on YouTube? Uh, no, what did I call it? I called it Fill in My Trail Run. Fill in My Trail Fill Run. Fill in My Trail Run. 
super, yeah. super. Well, I got to have a little preview earlier today, Dave, and it was very enjoyable. So I recommend if anybody liked the conversation that we had today, to do check out then Dave's video of the race where you'll get to see the Transland Canaria in all its glory and it's all, in all its suffering as well. Dave, fair play. Thanks, Mill, and we look forward to seeing you on the trails over the next couple of months. Pleasure, Ron. Good to talk to you. All the best, Dave. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's a wrap for this episode, everybody. Well done to Dave on finishing that tough, tough race. And as mentioned, Dave did a very enjoyable short film on the race, which he recorded over the course. And you can find that on YouTube if you search and filter for the channel name as opposed to a general search, the channel Film My Trail Run. A little reminder of our Patreon, everybody, before we go. If you do get a chance to pop over the Patreon Trail Running Ireland podcast and a small contribution, the price of a gel will help keep us going for the year and help us to promote this great sport of trail and mountain running. And as I said earlier, first and foremost, Irish trail running. Everyone, let's get our running gear on. Let's go.